there is a specific beautiful creek swimming spot that only the locals know about that is my favorite place to go on a hot day <laughs> and i will never tell you where it is <laughs> aussies are relocating from capital cities to regional australia in record numbers we could give you all the stats about better house prices all the jobs on offer and higher levels of happiness but what's better than hearing from someone who's made the move themselves welcome to you moved where the podcast where we interview everyday Aussies who've moved from the city to the country i'm your host Beck Bignall a girl from regional australia who moved to the city and then you guessed it back to regional australia this is you moved where Claimed author Holly Wainwright, a move from Coogee to the South Coast wasn't necessarily about having a cake and eating it too. It was more about making a different kind of cake, one with fresh eggs. Holly has the kind of career that most people in the media dream of, but when she finally decided to commit to the move, she didn't try to retrofit her existing role at the renowned media organisation Mamma Mia. Instead, she changed her position for something she felt would work better in the bush. In her cosy she shed, a space in her regional backyard specifically designed to let creative juices flow, Holly, now the executive editor at Mamma Mia and co-host of the Mamma Mia Out Loud podcast, continues to enjoy an incredible work life, but she enjoys it in a changed way, one that benefits from increased space to breathe. Having a peaceful place to retreat to at the end of busy days isn't the only thing Holly loves about her life outside the city. She's become an avid grower and takes great joy in cultivating veggies, eating them straight from her garden and sourcing local food that has boosted her health. And while her Uber Eats account has been put on hold and there are aspects of her previous life that she's naturally had to change, Holly's life in the regions, just like her fridge, is fuller, fresher, healthier and happier. Holly Wainwright, you moved where? So I moved from the UK to Australia and then I moved from Sydney to a little town on the south coast of New South Wales. Right, so you moved from the UK to Australia. Was that a holiday or were you always planning to move over here? That was um, a backpacking trip that never ended. So I came a very long time ago now when I was just a, a little person. I came to Australia for a year for an adventure and then I just never went home. And now I've lived, actually lived more of my life in Australia than in England. But I'm originally from Manchester, which is why you can tell that northern vowels of my accent, um, but I was living in London before I moved. Completely unrelated question, but how good is the David Beckham documentary? <laughs> oh, so great. And very, uh, very, as, we, as we'd say at Mamma Mia, it's very holly.com because it's like Manchester, football, Spice Girls, like all the perfect area of interest for me. <laughs> yeah, I've really been enjoying it myself, I must say. So given me a bit of an understanding about how wonderful Manchester is. And Holly, you and I have got a couple of things in common because I was actually living in the eastern suburbs of Sydney for about 10 years before I recently moved back to WA, my husband's from Bronte. Um, so 
quite kind of a similar experience, I suppose, with some of the things that um, we'll talk to today around that actual adjustment of moving from the city to the country. What was the experience like for you living in the eastern suburbs and then, you know, weekend full of coffee, beach, swims? What has it been like now moving into a regional area? It's taken a bit of adjusting. So we lived in um, we lived in Coogee for and Sydney um, in the eastern suburbs, as you say, for a long time. I lived there more than twenty years, so a, a really long time, and I very much considered it home. But after we had our kids, it's a very common story. You know, we didn't have enough space. I began with you know I've been working really hard at my career, which was wonderful, but life was just an absolute whirlwind of constant motion, constant stress, constant going everywhere, doing this, doing that, not feeling like we had a lot of time together, not feeling like we had a lot of um, room to breathe. And so we talked for a long time about moving. And when we did it, our actual experience was a little bit colored by the fact we did it in lockdown. So we did we actually moved in the second on the we moved out of sydney on the day that sydney went into that second lockdown that ended up lasting for about 5 months not deliberately it's just how the timing happened and what that meant is it meant that when we left that life we'd been living for 20 years the door kind of swung shut behind us because we couldn't pop back up. We, we, when we left, we'd said to our friends, oh, you know, you'll come see us, we'll come see you, da, da 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 And for the first however long, it was just us in this new little place where we didn't know anyone. And it was, with hindsight, it was a lovely bonding time that allowed us to really settle in. But there were definitely times then when I felt like, oh, I wanted space and quiet, but have I got too much space and quiet now? <laughs> You know, the place we moved to, the little town we were living in then, it's a beautiful, beautiful town, touristy town. Um, You could get coffee and things, but very different. We couldn't get, which is funny, when we finally went into lockdown in regional New South Wales, no delivery food, no Uber Eats, you know, nothing like that, having to be more organised and planned. So there were those kind of practical things, and there were practical things about health and all those things I'm sure we talk about resources a little bit but what was wonderful is that we found a way a different way of living that two years later just suits us so well like I feel healthier in myself body and mind um the kids are happier uh our relationships better uh, we've got a new group of friends and our old friends. We certainly haven't lost them. But, yeah, it's an, it's definitely an adjustment from, you know, where I live. There's one pub and there's one club. So if you want to go out for dinner that's and you want to walk, you don't want to drive, that's where you're going, you know. Um, there's one shop. Well, there's one sort of uh, shop that sells more than one thing. Then there's a bakery and a butcher's. So everything's just a lot less choice. And at first that freaked me out and now I actually like it. I completely understand what you mean. It's such a um, big adjustment when you go from just the opportunity to have that incredible hospitality that you get in the East. And we will come back to this and how you remedy or overcome that to, so that you can still have a life full of those things. But first of all, why did you want to move to the country in the first place? especially as, you know, someone who's not from Australia, what drew you out to the regions? Well, 
not only am I not from Australia, I've never, never not lived in a city. So I lived in Manchester, which is a big city. Then I lived in London, which is a bigger city. Then I lived in Sydney, right? So I've, I've only ever lived in cities. And I, although I've traveled a lot and I love nature and I love being in nature, I had never considered living in a small town or the country until I got a bit older. Um, and we used to go on holiday, particularly down here to the south coast. We'd go to Kangaroo Valley or we'd go to Berry, or we'd go wherever. And I just loved it so much. I would always find myself when we were driving back to Sydney looking at real estate sites. I know everybody does that. Uh, but like looking at real estate sites and beginning to picture, well, what would it look like if we moved? And I think, you know, what I've the, the expectation versus reality is a big thing. Um, but I think, I, as I said, we were just ready for a downshift. And that's not to say that life in the in outer side of city is slow, because it's not actually. And people, you know, country people, regional people are busy, hardworking, social, community driven, like not, it's not sort of like it was a a shift to a sort of more leisurely life, but just I can't explain it any better than more space to breathe. And when I say that, I don't even necessarily mean physical space. I mean just a bit more room. That 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 slight limitation that I was talking about, about not having all the options in the world all the time, actually creates a bit more room in your life. So Brent and I, my partner, had talked about it forever. He's also only ever lived in cities. He's from Auckland, New Zealand. Um and we talked about it forever and we'd said, do you think we could do it? Do you think we couldn't do it? He's a really extrovert, sociable person. So he's the kind of person who I always used to joke with him, if we move to a small town, you'll know everybody in a week, whereas I'll be the slight, I'm a little bit more reserved. You might not know that from my work, but I'd be like, I'll be the stuck-up wife and you'll be the one who everybody knows. But anyway, we would talk about it, talk about it, and then the crunch came first lockdown in Sydney was horrendous. We were in a small flat. We loved, we loved it. It was in walking distance to the beach and we owned it. Like, how amazing is that? I mean, we, the bank owned it, but you know what I mean? But lockdown was hell. And Matilda, my daughter, was coming up to high school. So it was like, if we don't do it now, we're not going to do it. And that's what pushed the jump. Speaking of children, when you're going to make a move as you did and sort of uproot them and, and take them into a totally new environment, what was your strategy with bringing the kids on board? Did you sit down and sort of talk it through with them or how did you approach um, breaking it to them that you were going to move? Were they part of the decision? Well, there's a story here, Beck. you'll be surprised to hear. So we'd been talking about it as a family for a long time and at different times in their young lives, they were more into it than other times. Matilda was really excited about the idea when she was a bit younger. And at one point, we thought we were going to move to the Hawkesbury River, to an island on the Hawkesbury River, which is another one of our favourite places in the world. And we'd actually thought we had a we, – we very nearly did that. I actually went and visited the school and everything. And then for silly reasons, it fell through, and we were like, okay, well, maybe we're not going to do that. Um, and then – I kept always looking at real estate because when we first moved, we knew we were just going to rent to sort of suss out there. But rentals, as anybody who lives regionally would know, are actually quite hard to get, especially at that time, peak COVID, when the tree change effect was in at its peak. It was very hard to get rentals. Anyway, 
I'd always been looking. And this house came up for rent in Bury in, on, in, on the south coast of New South Wales, where we did have one group, one family who we knew lived there. So we used to come to Bury to see them a lot. And I sent my friend to go and look at it for us because I knew I called the real estate and she said it will go like that. So I asked my friend really kindly if he would go and look at it. And he took me through it on the phone like that. And I said, yes, we want it. We'll take it. And we miraculously we got approved and so then then Brent and I were like oh we've got to tell the kids and my daughter Matilda at that point she wouldn't mind me saying she was halfway through year six which is a tricky tricky time right she had a really established group of friends who she had literally been in primary school with the whole time she was vice captain of her school she was really into various sport and stuff. So she was very embedded and she didn't really want to. And there was a lot of you've ruined my life. There really was, right? So the way that we, my son was different. My son has a few, um, like he's neurodiverse. So we always knew a move would be good for him because a smaller school, a quieter life and everything would probably suit him better. Uh, And he was quite excited. He'd just go where we went. He was younger and, you know. Um, But she definitely thought we were ruining her life and it took a lot of crying on the bed and me rubbing her back and promising her things. And then, you know, Beck, it's the most basic bribery of all time. But one of the ways I got them over the line is that in our unit in Kuji, we used to share, they used to share a room. That was one of the pressing issues, I guess, as they got to that age. In this new house we were renting, they could have their own rooms and they were big and they were lovely. And I was like, We've got to buy new furniture. We've got to buy things. I'm going to take you to Ikea and you can pick out your like the most basic, just blatant bribery. You get to pick out what your room looks like. And Matilda's head would sort of go up and she'd go, oh, oh, maybe this. Uh, like So slowly, slowly, we kind of um, got them in with really basic treats like that. When we finally came here, I will, I've never seen her as frightened as her first day of school in the new school, walking into year six. But I can't tell you the community of kids in this small school just sort of closed around her, this group of year six girls, took her off. I saw her little face like looking back at me and she never looked back after that. She absolutely loves it. And she's still friends with a couple of her with her good mates in Kuji, they obviously talk on social media and also because we're two years down the line now, she's nearly 14. Um, we go back and see them. They come and stay with us, you know, like that. It's, it's okay. But yeah, it was definitely one of those you've ruined my life moments for her. It's such a good life in the country. Like I grew up in the country. So for me, I sort of always wanted my kids to have that experience. They're so young. Like I've got a, a newborn and a um, oh, toddler. Wow. So they, they don't really have the decision or like know that another, you know, experience of it. But for me, I really wanted them to kind of get close to nature and be dirty and have that experience of mud and like animals Mm. and trees and, you know, the space that you talked of before. What was it like watching your kids sort of adjust to the new environment with space, having gone from eastern suburbs, which is pretty built up, pretty busy? What was that like? It It was glorious because... I mean, my kids were lucky in that we were we lived near a beach, right? So it's not like they were always cooped up. But that beach nearly all the time is very busy. And 
I, I love what the thing I loved best about living in the eastern suburbs all those years is the clifftop walks, right? I love that was my favorite thing. But again, Saturday afternoon, like <laughs> forget it. You, you might as well be on a highway. We've got all this room. My kids ride their bikes around. I know it's such a cliche, but like they ride that. When we first arrived here, the place we were renting was sort of like a newish development just outside a country town. So there was all this green space, which was great for exploring, walking the dog, climbing trees, but also there were a lot of kids who'd just play outside together. And there was this like, oh, they can just do that. You know, it was it was lovely because that wasn't an experience that we really had in Coogee. I mean, you know, the kids could get together down at the beach and things and there'd always be parents around having a look, but that level of a, a bit more freedom and independence was great. And now where we've moved to and where we've bought and settled is on the coast. And um, they both get the school bus independently to school every morning, which they love. So they just leave the house, they walk back in. Like it's just, <laughs> there's no school run and all this stuff. And I know, I know obviously this is not a typical regional experience, but because we're in a small town and it's very – that, that space is great. My daughter is very physically adventurous in the outdoors, so she loves to swim in the river that's near our house, the creek, the, you know, the beach. Um, she started surfing. My son's a bit more of an indoorsy person, so he more appreciates the fact we actually have more space as if we've got a bigger house and more room, which is something we weren't going to get in the city. But even he, you know, we have a little ritual because as your kids get older you can feel them getting busier and a bit further away from you so we have a little ritual that every Saturday morning we if it like sport and everything allowing uh one of the weekend mornings we'll go and have an adventure together so we might go and do a local bush walk we might go drive to a town we haven't been to before and have breakfast there or whatever you know like just something to do together and that has just been so fun Mm. I would I'm I'm not I'm not a person who always likes to to pretend that everything's rosy. Sometimes as a city person, I, like an original city person, there's a bit of me that goes, oh, have I limited their opportunities, right? Like I do, there's a little bit of me that thinks that. But then I look at all the people I know and have worked with over the years who've come from regional areas, come from country towns, and how very often, without wanting to lean into a real cliche, they're real go-getters, hard workers. Like they're not, they moved to where they wanted to move to to make it and then they went back or whatever it might be or, you know what I mean? Absolutely. And it's that thing as well, I suppose, that you become very resourceful and innovative because you don't have the things that are close at hand. Like you can just rely on getting a delivery of food or, Mm -hmm. you know, go down to the shops if you need to top up this, that and the other. And so you tend to do what you're saying you plan a bit more you establish these rituals that that are really lovely and you know we were talking about food before being in the country obviously you're closer to food sources as well and I know that one thing that we love doing is eating really delicious food you know that's flavorsome and and finding where we are in our region um it's really well known for um wonderful food so we kind of try and find all of the hookups for all of the Mm. things and have really enjoyed building that experience of creating the food from the source right through to the theatre of having it all around a table together because we've got space for a table now and it's just those sorts of things which I think from what I've seen of of your experience that you also enjoy you know foraging for food and hens and talking through that. A hundred percent. 
Oh, well, I've become this insufferable person who grows vegetables. Like I, It's so funny because um, I was not, like we didn't have a garden in Kudji and I was, wasn't interested, like we had a little shared garden, but, you know, I wasn't really interested. And yet last summer my parents were visiting from England and we, me and my mum as a sort of joint project put in veggie beds out the front of our house. I feel like for the first time in my life I have this hobby and I love it and we grow everything and now I've got an ex- another one and I'm planning two more and I'm like I so I love that I've loved watching the produce grow eating things we've grown but even beyond that um we so there's a farmers market in Berry we don't live in Berry but we live nearby there's a farmers market in Berry every week we always go there it's where we buy our fruit and veg and it's I always I say that to my city friends and they're all like, oh, yeah, farmer's markets. They're like so hip and everything's so expensive. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm buying the veggies from the local farmers and they're not expensive. They're, I'm only buying things that are in season. It's cheaper than the supermarket. The quality's great. I'm eating fresh fruit and veg. And Brent and I have never had such a healthy diet as we have since we've lived here. The local butcher is amazing. Um, again, you know, the source of all the meat. So, you know, we eat meat and veggies, meat and salad. We're like, and we're actually, and obviously no takeaway. <laughs> so we actually live a much healthier life. And I mean, it's not perfect. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a cheese and a wine as much as anyone else. But I think that being closer to that source and local producers is really great. I do things like dehydrate citrus for for cocktails <laughs> and um you know like I just love it but yeah my veggie bed has brought me a lot of joy and I can only see that expanding now I'm thinking oh maybe flowers and then oh maybe like I just I just love it I don't know what it is because I have the exact same experience of that as what you're talking about and it's so funny because I don't think I ever baked a thing when I lived in the East. Like, you know, maybe a quiche for dinner or something. But out here, <laughs> I now have mm. this, like, desire to create muffins from the eggs that we get from our chooks and, like, to have the aroma of delicious food in the house. And yeah, right. we have bread maker now. Like, there's just something. And I can't put my finger on it. Like, I don't know why moving to the country suddenly has untapped this appetite for the things that you've just discussed. And it's not like you give away the wonderful things like a glass of wine and a good slice of cheese and things. But I know so much joy in a way that I can't say that I ever experienced or did in the city. We've got chooks now, and I know that you're a big advocate for eggs as well. And I can't explain the delight that I get from, you know, getting a, an egg from the chook pen. It's like a highlight of the day. Oh, yes. Talk to me about your uh, chooks. You've got chooks as well. Is that right? It is, but I, no, I don't actually have chooks. My friends have chooks. So when I first moved to the, when we first moved to the country, what I blew me away is how a lot of local people would come round and they would bring us eggs or not come round or we'd meet them, you know, we'd make friends and we'd meet them and they'd give us eggs when we'd leave. Do you want some eggs? And then they'd bring us or they'd give us citrus because it was citrus season. Oh, do you want some lemons? And I'm like, wow, you know, that, do you know these lemons would be a dollar each at the shop near me in Coogee? Like I couldn't, like I couldn't believe it. And um, again, I think that that we buy our eggs now at the farmer's market. So we know that they're fresh and 
I'm thinking about getting Chuck Speck, but I'm scared about rodents. I don't like rats. And everyone says to me, if you've got chickens, you've got rats. Is that true? We haven't had a rat problem yet that I'm aware of. Oh, good. But I completely understand that. And do you know what? You're right. There's such an abundance of eggs as well that you don't need to rush into it because it's so true what you say. Every time we just got a, a beautiful packet of eggs from Anne on the corner and we got some limes from Penny and Steve over the fence as well. We <laughs> could not have a more similar experience because you're right, it is a trend and it's delightful. There you go, right? Exactly. Bang on. It's so delightful <laughs> to have. This is what we This is what we call it. It's wholesome, con- wholesome country life. It is wholesome country life and I feel like in you know, our lives that are so busy and jam-packed full of so many things that it is just those little things that offset the stress that can sometimes go with work. Now, you've got an incredible career and you have an amazing job. Talk to me about what it's like to manage that um, from where you live in the state. Okay. So I think there's no question that probably pre-COVID, we would not have thought that we could do what we do remotely. And that was a big question about whether or not we would move. Then obviously we went through that period, those of us who had office-based jobs of working from home all the time. And suddenly it was like, oh, you know, what, but what I have had to do is, which I was going to, I wanted to do anyway. So this is not a hardship is I was in a, a quite a managerial role at Mamma Mia, which is where I worked for a long time, where I managed big teams and I was very hands-on all the time and moving away and only being in the office some of the time I've, I've changed that role because I do think, and certainly post COVID, it, it was sort of encouraged, um, uh, you know, that, if you're managing people and you want to build culture, it is hard to do that remotely. It's not impossible by any means, but personally, I found it quite hard. So my, I changed my role to be one that's better suited to remote work, which is more content creation. And the what, what happens is I've built where I'm talking to you now is my little shed that we've built at the bottom of the garden. It's, it's my she shed. I love it. It's my happy place. And this is where I write because I write books as well. Um, this is where I record podcasts. There's a little setup behind me. Um, it's where I, you know, do my a lot of my work. But I do still go up to Sydney pretty often, every every week, at least once, usually twice. I live just over two hours out of Sydney. So there are a lot of people around here who do still do that. The commute is not fun. So it's, I mean, it is tiring. I've gotten used to it. But to be honest, what it gives me, you know, that in terms of living here and that sort of being able, I go up to work in Sydney for a day and I'll either come up and back in a day or I'll stay with one of my friends there what it gives me in coming back home to this beautiful, peaceful place is is amazing. There's no question that I think sometimes you have to make peace with the fact that you can't do everything if you're going to move. Like there are some things you can do remotely. There are some things you can't. But, you know, I obviously can't be at events all the time. There'll be things happening uh, in the evenings and I won't be going to them. And, and like there are sacrifices that you make and you have to be ready to make those. And I think for me, after 20-odd years, you know, I was ready. I don't know that I would have been ready if I was 28 even or, you know, even 35. Like, But I, where I was at in my life and my career, it made sense for me. And it's made things a little more complicated, but overall it's great. For the components of your career that are to do with writing, obviously mentioning the incredible success you've had as an author, 
writing can often involve, you know, a very specific environment that can help you tap into your inspiration. Yeah. What's it like writing now from the regions? Look, it's lovely. I I mean, it's funny though, because this is what I think I've learned about writing. I've written four novels and I'm writing my fifth novel, right? And my first novel I wrote, I was working full time. I was living in a tiny flat um, with two kids and a dog and my partner. And I used to write on my bed, you know, I'd cram it in, in the corners of the day that I had and I'd write on the bed. I was exceptionally productive, right? I always said to Brent, all I want in the world is a space to ride in. And now I have this beautiful space to ride in. You can see it. You know, this is my space. I decorated it. The pictures on the walls are my choice. It's this beautiful, peaceful place. But I suspect I'm not as productive because I get in here and it's so lovely. And I'm just like, oh, and I start fiddling with things and I'm a little too relaxed. And I'm like, oh, and I've got a few hours today. Like, I still have to make myself focus even though now I've got my lovely space but in terms of inspiration like I think small towns in particular my god I mean I uh, there's so much inspiration they're so interesting the people you meet the community you build the attention always between people who've been there forever and blow-ins and all those things like there are a million stories to be told in um in a regional area, which is why so many Australian books are set in the regions. Don't worry, anyone. My new book is not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it is not. I think that we don't want to get run out of town or anything. But I need peace to think and create. And around here, you know, I walk the dog on the river. I'll go to the, we live at the top of a beautiful long beach and there's never anyone on it. Well, there is at the weekends of school holidays, but, you know, I'll walk the dog on the beach and, it just gives me space to think, which I just, I just love. Look, you've actually inadvertently answered the myth busting question that we've got. We always sort of end with the guest busting a myth that we've got. And your myth was there's only bogans in the bush. <laughs> but I feel like you've just answered that. Absolutely not. It's really funny because um, I don't know what I expected about people but I've met all kinds of different people. We, we've got a group, a new group of friends, a new group of friends. It sounds so bad. Like we got rid of our old friends and we got new <laughs> friends. Like it wasn't like that. We still have our old friends. Um, but the sort of group that we have here that we would be seeing at a barbecue on a Sunday or whatever are, are really diff- are really diverse in terms of what they do for a living. We've got friends who've lived in this region for generations. We've got friends who obviously are a bit like us and have come from somewhere else. My daughter is at high school with all kinds of different kids. Uh, you know, people around here do all kinds of different jobs. It's close enough to biggish towns that there's industry. Uh, and then obviously there's also agriculture. And then there's also a lot of hospitality because it's a touristy area. Like there's a real mixture of people. Um so that has actually been a delight and I love and talking of myth busting if there's ever if there was ever a bit of snobbery in me about that it's really gone from that picture that idea of judging a book by its cover because where I live Brent and I often go to the local pub on a Thursday night and play trivia and that's the big that's the biggest most exciting thing we do personally I love it and there's all kinds of different people there and they might not necessarily be who I would have known in the city, but they're just funny and friendly and interesting and everyone's got a story. That myth is definitely busted. Can you please tell me one thing about the South Coast where you live that's not on the tourist pamphlet? There is 
a specific beautiful creek swimming spot that only the locals know about that is my favorite place to go on a hot day. <laughs> and I will never tell you where it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, that makes you a true local because you've got to keep some of those things a secret, don't you? It's like folklore, definitely. <laughs> Holly, look, the last thing that we like to do is we like to get our guests to pitch regional Australia. So if you were going to pitch regional Australia to the Mamma Mia Out Loud listeners, the Out Louders, what would you say? Oh, I'd say it's not what you think it is. You know, it's it's good to get yourself out of the city mindset that everything that matters and happens within a you know five kilometer radius of the city center you'll meet all kinds of different people natural beauty is astounding the history and culture in places like where I'm living is every bit as interesting as it is in the city and personally I just think people are a bit happy that's beautiful Holly thank you so much for your time today we really appreciate it and really really love your perspective it definitely um, hits a chord with me there's so many things that you've discussed that I relate to um, so thank you very much for your time and we're really glad to hear that you're loving your life in the regions thanks so much Beck. it's been such a pleasure you moved where is made on the land of the Binjara people with Holly Wainwright joining us from the land of the Derringer people. We would like to acknowledge the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to Elders past and present. This episode was produced by Grace Rouvre with audio production by Adair Shepherd and hosted by me, Beth Bignall. The You Move Where podcast is brought to you by Move to More and the Regional Australia Institute. That wraps up Series 2 of You Moved Where. Make sure you follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss our Series 3 stories. Move to More is supported by the Australian Federal Government. And if you head to the website, movetomore.com.au, you can find a wealth of information that will help you make the move. At movetomore.com.au, you can search almost 2,000 regional towns and cities to find your favourite regional destination. And in the same place, find your dream home and job.